Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Bootleg Avocado, bringing you the stories in the food startup world. Uh, my name is Mario Rodriguez. Um, with every episode, um, I'd like to introduce to you uh, one of my good friends and colleague, uh, Anthony Nichols. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm very good, Mario. What's up, buddy? Uh, good, good. Having a good weekend here. Um, so just a little bit about what we are trying to do here. We're really trying to um, get together a lot of food entrepreneurs out there um, and help to really get their brand out there, hear their story, um, listen to really exactly what issues they're facing, you know, how to really kind of get it into, get their foot in the door into um, really expanding and growing these businesses more than anything. Um, Andy, a little bit about you and, and your background. Well, as you know, um, we went to the same culinary school. Right, <laughs> uh, Yeah, we went to right. ICC. You know, I like to call it, I still like to call it the French Culinary Institute. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there, um, after graduating, um, I went to start working with uh, Chef Ben Polliger at Oceana, which was an incredible experience. Uh, kind of gave me the... Um, the techniques and the background and and just sort of like the foundation to kind of um, pursue a variety of, of experiences um, in the fast casual world, um, in the restaurant world, and now uh, in uh, research and development. Yeah. Um, and I've just started my own company, uh, Speak Feast, um, and I'll just plug it, which is... You guys do there. Uh, can I plug? Yeah, plug away, plug away. www.speakfeast.com. Right. Um, we're also on Instagram as well. Um, and um, it's good to be on this podcast and it's good to start talking with a lot of different entrepreneurs because uh, the struggle is real. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy to get out there. So yeah, yeah. I think everyone um, can certainly use... Um, some experience from different people who have who've been out there like yourself yeah no i mean i think the hardest part is really to you know once you have an idea once you're kind of really testing it out and seeing there's it has a little, some legs you know is really how to really scale it how to grow it how to you know even get money to 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 do that on top of your day job so oh um, yeah M money's money's key money is key yeah. Money is key. Um, so speaking of that, um, our special guest today um, is Eric Brown of Line Threads. Eric, how are you doing today? Eric, how are you doing today? Hey, great. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, welcome, Bootleg Avocado. Um, you are our first get official guest, so, you know, welcome to the show. Uh, I just wanted to introduce you to everyone um, and kind of hear a little bit about your background, you know, what got you in the food business and what's your, uh, you know, on a, on a higher level, what's your, what's your uh, business plan? Sure. Awesome. So... How did you even get into the, the food world? I know your background is a little bit in tech. Um, what kind of got you interested? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think I, I, I have that classic, if not cliche story where uh, I have lots of food memories growing up, uh, a lot of a lot of baking time with my mom in the kitchen. And, you know, I found myself at 29, almost turning 30, and realized that I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> So I enrolled in some, you know, culinary classes at the beginning of the year in, in 2009. Um, and I, I thought about, you know, like I, I basically just signed up for like three classes and said, I, I need to teach myself how to cook. And when I got into the kitchen, learned some basic techniques and realized that I could do it, I was like totally hooked on it. Um, yeah. So I just kept taking what recreational classes. You, what sort of things did you start cooking? Uh, well, there it was just like it was a techniques class. So we just went over, you know, fundamental things like moist heat, dry heat cooking, um, how to work with eggs, uh, knife skills. So just things that helped me get comfortable in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then we went from there to, you know, took on like the next level, which just got more into the technique and then specialty th uh, classes like uh, 
morning pastries or French pastries or that sort of thing. And then like there, I was totally hooked. I spent way too much money on like my KitchenAid and other <laughs> gadgets for the for an apartment that probably wasn't you know big enough for that. But didn't matter. I loved making croissants and Danish and all that sort of stuff. So I was stuck sort of in the you know the classic tech job, not really enjoying it. Um, I ended up starting my own company that was tech based and advertising. Um, mm -hmm. And ultimately that and was able to sort of use some of that uh, to go to culinary school. So really achieving a, a dream that sort of developed over the years. Cool. Cool. Very so, nice. What's that? I said, it's very nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's, glad cool. that's good that at least you can kind of support yourself through something like culinary school. Um, let's talk about that for a second. Just culinary school in general. Um, so Anthony and I went to the FCI. Um, you know, how much was tuition when we went there? Um, I think it was around the 28,000 mark. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we did part-time and then you can kind of have a full-time thing on the job on the side while you're going to school, which was nice, you know? Yeah, it was. I mean, we got it. We got a pretty good amount of time in the kitchen and the schedule was pretty flexible. I right. mean, in terms of, of, you know, still working. I mean, I was able to get my first internship and still go to school right, so, right. yeah, yeah it was of course and how do you how would you describe the curriculum there why i mean it's pretty rigorous you know from what i've remembered you know it's a lot of nighttime it's, you know a lot of nighttime hours um the they definitely have a, a system in place in which the there's a method in which you're trying to really um teach someone the technique behind everything which i think is key um so what, what was the curriculum like well like i think what Eric mentioned was, you know, um, knife skills. I mean, I think that's a key component. That's a good start. Um, working with eggs to kind of show your ability, your finesse. Um, and, you know, um, and then taking it from there, consommes. I mean, it was, it was basically very rooted in the French technique and, and, and very methodical in terms of the depth, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, getting you a basics, you know, a, a, you know, a basic foundation to kind of build on that. Right. Um, but I always remember just really nice skills, cooking eggs, which sort of if you kind of got it, if you sort of clicked on that, you sort of clicked on a couple of other things that, you know, cooking. I mean, for me is about finesse and the right ingredients and hot and, and using the right tools. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of it was just, you know, I mean, and then again, making consommes, um, working with dough, uh, butchering uh, meats, um, that kind of thing, you know? I mean, I think it's just, I mean, if you really have your head in the game, it, it, it all, the, 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 the pieces of the puzzle come together pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, what, what I liked about it is um, it all goes back to the technique, you know, that they're showing you. So if you look at any recipe on any site or whatever else, or someone asks you, hey, what's the best way of doing things? You're going to think technique first, correct? You're going to say, okay, what's the yeah. best way of doing lamb shank? You're thinking braising. You know, you know the technique with braising. It's, it's right. a, a blueprint for a lot of things. So for That's me, right. it, was, it was the fact that, you know, it was very technique driven. Um, it was very, you were testing a lot of that stuff. Um, maybe not as much as... People should be, um, but in the sense that you really need to apply yourself in order to really to to make yourself improve at every single time that you go to class or or everything else. You know, the thing is with with culinary schools, um, I, I I see it very similar as like if you go to college. You know, you you get out of it what you put in. You know, like you can be uh, you know on the list and all that stuff and and really immerse yourself within any college and with culinary school too. Maybe it's a different type of person that goes to culinary school. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it's just, you know, um, but I think, you know, it depends on, you know, it depends on who you're partnered with. Because <laughs> It's about being partners and, you know, it, it's like just exactly as you said, and exactly as Eric said, you know, it's like when you discover cooking or when you want to start cooking, um, you know, it's about where you are in your life. You know, obviously you're paying, you're paying for it. Um, and it, it gives you a certain determination. You know, if you're paying $30,000 out of your pocket, you're going to put everything you can into it and make sure that you are excelling at it. 
and you could be next to someone that's a different part of their life. They're in culinary school. They're, they just want to take some cooking classes. They kind of don't have the desire to work in a restaurant and yeah. get the butts kicked. And, yeah. you know, you sort of have to really kind of go after it. And I yeah. think that was, I think that was definitely your perspective. That was definitely my perspective. Yeah. I mean, we went to school with a lot of older, more older people or career changes, which I think is great. I think, I think that, that, that part of the industry has <laughs> a lot. Not everyone comes from the apprenticeship of, you know, working as a, you know, as a, you know, as a line cook and working the way up at a young age, it's different now. People kind of jump in at different times. Right. Um, so, Eric, what was the experience like at the culinary school you went to and everything else? What, what was the curriculum like? Yeah, it was it was a, a school focused actually most in, on career changers, I'd say. So it was a lot. It was like a survey based course where we did a lot of regional cooking. Yeah. Uh, but, oh. but it was, you know, we started off with the basics and like the level two was the regional cookings. Um, so we did French and, you know, Italian and then sort of Asian uh, fusion stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was good. We had a lot of, you know, I think mostly most of the people were probably older in, in my class. Uh, but we definitely had some younger people, too, that are, you know, now in the kitchens and just totally killing it and, and working 90 hours a week, too. <laughs> right. Uh, so and make like nine dollars an hour. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean. From from both of your experiences, would you do it again? How would we? How would you change it? If anything, how would you actually improve the? Uh, you know how they teach you, and if it's worth it, you know. Hmm. I'll, maybe I'll let Eric tackle that one first. Uh, for me, it wasn't in, in one way. It wasn't long enough. Uh, yeah. At, at the same time, you know, you, you sort of have to get out there and, and really learn. And I think as a career changing school. A lot of people didn't have the opportunity to really go out into the kitchens and have long externships. Um, so I think, you know, that that was sort of a, a detriment. But at the same time, a lot of people then start their own, own businesses. Um, so I, I think, you know, having a focus on more like um, out of school experience would have been great. I mean, you can only learn so much in a kitchen classroom. Mm -hmm. But but totally worth it. Okay. Um. I, I certainly I certainly would do it over again. I mean, it's, um, you know, when you discover cooking, um, you discover if it's real for you, you discover a passion side of you. And for me, that was just, you know, another part of my life and who I, you know, who I ultimately am. So absolutely would do it again. I'd love to have started earlier, maybe. Um, totally but, great. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the, you know, yeah, definitely start earlier, but I think the maturity level um, that we had, um, not to age us so much, but the maturity level that we had, you know, at that time when we started culinary school definitely helped us to do a lot better than the younger kids that came in and maybe didn't take it as seriously as, as we did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I guess. You, you know, when you get to culinary school, you start to discover those sort of innate natural abilities. You know, there's certain people that just know how to cut. They just know how to use a knife and, and the knife works in their hand very in a, in a special way. Um, and it makes it easier for them. Right, right. Um, and then there's other people that it's not doesn't come that easy. Um, and that makes the difference. But uh, I certainly would. I certainly would do it again. Yeah, no, I, I, maybe we maybe we should do it again. <laughs> maybe we should go back. Pretty grand now, I think forty five thousand. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll give us a discount. We'll we'll sort of teach and cook at the same time. <laughs> what I found, you know, what I'd say about it is what, what's just like any sort of career, right? Is it's hard to know what your identity as a cook is when you're starting out, yeah. and. So learning the techniques is certainly great, but I think now having the maturity of sort of who I am as a person, as an, as an older yeah. student, definitely helped me in, in the classroom. And, and yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just exactly, it's maturity. You know, like it's it's all, you know, if this is what you're, you want your career to be, you're going to commit, you know? And, and obviously not everyone's at that level, especially at whatever age you're at. Like that's why with, with colleges, you know, you know, people go to college at age 18, and they don't know what they want to major in, you know, like they're kind of going through the motions and all that stuff. Like, is this right. is a maturity for you to know what you want to do? 
And that's why people go to college, they graduate, they get some degree and they don't know what to do. You know, like the same with the culinary school. Like they're, if, if think that they would want, that they understand that they want to be a chef or they, they want to really learn about food, you know, at that point. But, uh, you know, but you never know. That's, that's, that's so it, it, it's so different now too. I mean, the way people look at chefs, even in the 10 years that have passed, I mean, I think we were probably on the cusp, I mean, on the end of, you know, chefs being sort of that old sort of idea of chefs yelling at you. And, you know, before I went to culinary school, I read, you know, Marco Pierre's white, Marco Pierre White's book. And yeah, I, I you know, I just had this imagination of like, OK, I'm going to go to French culinary school. I'm, I'm going to get yelled at. And, you know, <laughs> we were we were part of the, the celebrity chef craze, though. Right. You know, I mean, you know, Instagram and social media and all that stuff still wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we wanted to just really still work in restaurants and get Michelin stars, where people now are doing a lot. I mean, they're doing a variety of things now. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the people going into culinary school now, they're, they, they're still career changers. That's fine. But they have a lot more um, experience in the real world, you know? Right. It's not like you're, you're young and that's all you know is cooking. And now you're like out there trying to make yourself, make your name. These are people that have names. These are people that have, have held corporate jobs or whatever else. And they're, you know, they've run companies sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's a different type of, of uh, cook that's being trained than, than in the past. It was definitely a lot of investment bankers. I mean, there were a few in our class, I think. Right? It, they were, and some were a lot less motivated than after they got yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> I was looking forward to being yelled at. I was like, I can't wait. When am I going to get yelled at? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I wanted that because I felt like, well, this is part of the game. This is what has to happen. I have to sort of be kind of broken down. It's this, this, you know, um, very romantic ideal, you know, this look about being in a, in a brigade and, yeah. and just kind of, you know, sweating and, and, you know, the blood and guts of cooking. <laughs> Um. <laughs> that's that's exactly it um so let's break now uh next segment we're going to talk a little bit more about culinary schools and then jump into eric's um eric's venture all right all right we'll right back Welcome back to Bootleg Avocado. Uh, we are discussing culinary schools. Um, let me read this to you real quick, and then we'll talk about it. Um, so, in April second, two thousand fifteen, the French Culinary Institute got sued. Um, let's see, it filed someone filed a class action lawsuit against the schools, alleging that it engages in an ongoing fraudulent scheme to convince students to attend. Um, so the school got sued, um, I think eventually, uh, but, you know, from your, both of your perspective, what's kind of your take on this? Are these things valid? You know, given that we both did go to culinary schools and invested in that, um, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, first, I mean, I just, I, I, I want to giggle when I hear that, um. Not in a <laughs> not in a bad way. I mean, I think I just think it's ridiculous, um, you know. And and we were all anyone who attended the school was informed of the class action, um, and we were all invited to either you know take part in this class action at one point or or uh, or, or or serve as a you know as a, a witness or you know a character witness, if you will, for this. And I definitely wrote a letter of recommendation on the school and its merits and, and the, yeah. you know, the validity of the program and the people. I mean, you know, Jacques Pin is there. I mean, I, I just to, to, to think that the, the French Culinary Institute of the ICC engaged in fraudulent sort of way to get students. I mean, I don't know what admissions was saying to people, but at the well, end of the day, the program was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, you went there and you 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 certainly learned um, how to cook. That's for sure. Yeah, and what it says is the plaintiffs claim that ICC presented them with the false and misleading facts about the top level jobs that would be available to them upon graduation, 
with high salaries, they'd be able to, with high salaries, they would be able to earn. So, <laughs> I don't know who would even say that. Well, like, high salaries. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to go into it with a bit of, you know, reality. Like any school is probably going to talk about their top achievers, of course. Of course. If you go to state college school, like you're not going to come out of that school earning $100,000. Like you still have to work your way up. You right. Know? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, a, a mark of success um, for uh, any kind of placement would be the name of the restaurant, not necessarily the wage you would be making, you know. Right. I mean, look, it, it's... At the end of the day, cooking is a craft. You know, you, you take your, your lumps along the way and you work for peanuts in order to get technique, in order to get to learn, in order to be able to, you know, have all those tools. That way you can make your own thing at the end of the day. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. so and then, that, I mean, that's kind of one spectrum of it. The other spectrum is the school, so Le Cordon Bleu. Right. They had what, like 17, 20 locations across the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. So they went under. So they basically um, started closing their schools. Um, There was a lawsuit against them as well. Um, And they eventually folded um, and kind of went their, you know, kind of went their own way on that one. Well, it was probably like a combination, right? I mean, combination of lawsuit and bad management or... Or did the lawsuit, did they have to do a big payout? Um, I think they won the lawsuit. Um, actually, the, the hold on, $40 million. Oh, oh wow. So um, that buried them. Um, not only that, but you're actually, I think you're right, Andy. I think it's the people who, who, who ran it um, and actually who actually was running as a business and all, all the things because – these culinary schools, they're for profit, you know? So the difference between college and, and culinary schools, culinary schools are for profit. Right. So the, as, the, as soon as you do that, people think, oh, you're trying to, you know, get people, you're trying to um, have a sales team that gets people hooked on the college. They, they say what they have to say. They go through the school and they get their money and all that stuff. So um, selling like fake dreams or whatnot. So I could see, I could see the argument for both sides, but, you know, I could say that I haven't been to that many Le Cordon Blues. I've been to a few of them across the U.S. And for the most part, I mean, the, the students there, they're, they're kind of in it. They're, they definitely want to learn and everything else. Um, I do question the career placement of a lot of those schools, though. That's, that's one thing that I, that I learned, actually. The career placement that they have for the students isn't as um, – you know, as ambitious or I don't know if they actually really go out there and really make, get these students jobs or not. And I think that's the only part that, that really rubbed me the wrong way with at least the, the Cordon Blue schools. Yeah. Or, you know, ICC, French culinary, like, you know, the career de- development um, area was, was pretty rigorous as far as getting its jobs. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, speaking, you know, being, again, it goes back to maturity level as well. I mean, we, you know, the three of us certainly know, all right, listen, we, um, we graduated culinary school. We have a certain amount of skill. I mean, what does it take to go to a restaurant that we admire in some, in some way, ask for the chef and Mm -hmm. ask for a trail and, and kind of just kind of get yourself in there. Um, you certainly don't need the culinary school to, you know, to help you unless it's your, you know, per se, or, um, I mean, but I got my internship at Oceana by writing a letter to chef Ben. I mean, he sort of noticed my letter. So, uh, you know, it's again, at the end of the day, it's, are you getting into cooking because you love cooking or because you're down the line thinking that you're going to make a lot of money? Um, and if that's the case, then you're certainly in the wrong, you know, wrong profession. I don't think anyone in the industry now thinks they're getting into cooking to make a lot of money. I think it's more fame. I think it's more influence. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, and then maybe starting a lifestyle brand in some way, too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there definitely is that. Um, Eric, how was the career development um, in, in your school? Uh, super helpful. So it's, it's a small school, like 
classes of, um, you know, I think the total graduating class was maybe 25 people on, in. What's it called? Uh, the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts. Cambridge, um, fancy. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds um, prestigious. Yeah, it was very, very, oh, it, at the time, it was actually sort of family run. Uh, the, the founder passed and the school is now under new ownership by actually one of the people that went to school and then was one of the staff there. So cool. it's um, very close knit and very family like, as I said. And so, um, you know, super awesome, like a network of alumni. And um, I but I think it's a little bit different, as I mentioned, that, you know, being a lot of career changers, there's a lot of personal responsibility in terms of saying like, hey, this is the help I need. Please make this intro. Right. Um, versus, gee, I'm, you know, I'm 22. I don't know what to do with my life. Like, where should I work? Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a different experience. But, you know, there's definitely the help when you need it. And I, I think you could probably say that about a lot of places. Some places might need a little more direction from you than others. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I mean, I think a lot of this to be successful, it, it's about networking. It's about also being comfortable in what you can do and what you can't do and not over, <laughs> over compensate for what you can't do. You know, like, you know, everyone knows coming out of culinary school, when they look at your resume, you're, you know, you're starting at the bottom of any Michelin star restaurant. You're starting at, as a garmage or just a prep cook, you know, and you sure. need to take those lumps. You need to work your way up more than anything. The networking aspect is what what is big. So, like, Andy, I appreciate the letter that you're writing. Like, I've I've written a bunch of letters too. You know, like that's, yeah. that's exactly how you kind of get in front of these chefs. And you know, now that now that it's, that it's hard to get into a lot of these restaurants, but you want at least the chef to know that you have something more than just a regular. Yeah, I just graduated from school, so I'm just going to go in there and chop some veggies for you and and whatnot. You know, there's there's more to, to you than just that. You know. Um, and I think it's probably, yeah, and definitely like, especially with restaurants, you know, in New York that have a name, I mean, you know, culinary school at least gets you in the door. Mm -hmm. At least it gets some kind of attention. Okay. This person went to culinary school rather yeah. than someone just walking in off the street. Right. And you have someone vouching for you. If it, if the career service person is someone that will vouch for you, you know? And I felt like at FCI, I mean, <clears throat> I felt like career services was their door was always open and I was, I had many meetings with them about possible internships and they got me um, a stage at La Bernadette. Um, wow. And, you know, I was, I learned a lot. I mean, I was able to go there for a couple of days um, and, you know, I mean, they were able to open that door for me, whereas, you know, I wouldn't have been able to kind of get that on my own. Right. You know, I mean, when when we went there, it was Eric Murningham was part of the career services department, right? Yeah. And now now he's the president of the school. Now he's the president of the school. Yeah, and he was very. I mean, he he definitely ran, ran it right as far as helping us out and and everything else. And he kind of saw that we, at least me and you, we had a little bit more than just like, you know, a regular student. We really were ambitious in the sense that yeah, get us in touch with this person and we can do this. You know, it was. And he was always very, he was always very realistic as well. He was yeah. like, you're up against this amount of people. It's very tough. Right. Um, you know, he would always lay, you know, he would always lay it down. Right, right. You know, and again, for us, we'd be like, oh, wow, great. Definitely. Right. But we're also like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. I mean, it's not like we were sure. like, ah, I don't know. Well, so, yeah, because I felt like that would be like, that's going to be, that would make us a real show. Like, we got to go. We're going to get our butts kicked. They're going to be tough on us. They're going to pay us a little bit of money. They're going to yeah. give us random days off, you know? And that's what really kind of makes it. Right, right. So for the other, you know, for the people out there that don't, you know, don't have the money to go to culinary school or, you know, don't have the time. To, well, you got to have the time to do it. Not, you know, to get into the food world, you need time. And then actually more than it's, more time than you have. But what other ways can people get educated on, on culinary if they want to jump into the world without going to culinary school? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a classic uh, sort of cook story of, you know, how to get good at, you know, peeling potatoes, like go out and buy a bag of potatoes or go, get, you know, buy a bag of uh, onions and cut them up and start improving your technique, right? I mean, there are lots of things that you can do on your own. I think mm -hmm. school provides a lot of mentorship and probably a, a shortcut to 
through, you know, a lot of the mistakes that you'd make if you were just trying to learn on your own. So the structure is definitely helpful. Um, but I think just like any other subject, you can certainly go out there and learn a lot, whether it's YouTube or one of the classic texts or just maybe somebody that you know. You can even go work for free in the kitchen. Anybody will let you in pretty much, right? So Yeah, you could probably go to any diner and, and certainly start cutting up stuff for, for them as well. Yeah. Getting your feet, you know, getting your feet wet and actually working in a kitchen and just sort of understanding the atmosphere of it. Um, well, that's how, that's how it used to be. You know, you yeah. show up the kitchen, they'll say, no, come back. <laughs> You know, you go <laughs> right. 10 times and then like, all right, fine, come in. Like how many, how many great chefs have, have done that, you know? Oh, sure. It's yeah, a whole school doing it. Yeah. You knock on the back door and the, you go to the dishwasher and you say, is a chef in? And... There's a cat outside eating fish. <laughs> and, and, you know, he puts you right on wash dishes yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's how you get it. That's how you start, you know, but yeah. I, you know, I think. If, if you don't have the, the, the resources to go to culinary school, um, like Eric mentioned, there's just so many things that you could do um, uh, to learn. I mean, right now, I mean, I think um, the, the, the knowledge that's out there, just continue, access to knowledge just continues to grow and grow and grow. And, you know, I read that Ferran Adria never went to culinary school and yeah. he, he just kind of read all he did was just read cookbooks. Um, but again, you know, he's Ferran Adri and he's, you know, I think it's, if you don't go to culinary school, yeah, your brain works differently and your, your, his brain already worked differently. And it kind of maybe it was probably a shortcut for him to kind of find his voice as a cook. Yeah. He um, understood it. He got it. Like it clicked with him faster than anyone else. Yeah. And then he was just on his way. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas maybe going to culinary school would, uh, you know, thwart his 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 vision for what he wanted to do. Right. Um, so I guess it. I mean, I always feel like you know. I mean, I, that's just the difference between someone like that, or I mean, the romantic view of 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 the chef and his vision or her vision and their their food voice. You know, like what they want to do and what their what they consider their food, you know, I mean, I, I still at times still try to figure out what's my food. You know, what's, what do I want to, what do I want to cook for people? Yeah. You know, I gotcha. All right. So let's, um, on our next segment, we're talk a little bit more about Eric and line threads. What's all about what you're trying to do and how we can help. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome back to Bootleg Avocado. Um, this segment is going to get Eric Brown on the spotlight here. So, Eric, tell me a little bit about Line Threads. What had you come up with the concept? What do you guys do? And, you know, what kind of issues are you facing right now? Sure. So, let's see. So, we're, we're a clothing line. Um, you know, we're focused on building uh, custom designs or at least our own unique designs for ch chefs and cooks. Uh, to help sort of express who they are. So the basic concept was, you know, through my experience working in different kitchens, I got to know a lot of people, but I found like one of the common uh, denominators about any kitchen is you're sort of wearing a similar type of uniform, right? Everyone's wearing the chef coat, the chef pants. Maybe you're a, a little bit different with the hat or bandana that you're wearing, but sort of self-expression aside from maybe tattoos or other stuff was not always there which contrasted my tech jobs where everyone's wearing these like funny meme t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, so I thought, you know, is there something that I could do that would help me get closer to the food world uh, while also thinking about a business that I can build and scale while trying to also uh, build my family with having one small one at home and, and another one on the way. So oh. I uh, came up with this and, you know, this is sort of our starting point, custom, you know, t-shirts and sweatshirts, but, Really, like, the idea is things that you can sort of wear underneath your chef coat that um, mm -hmm. sort of express who you are. Um, and the idea behind that is sort of thinking about, like, a superhero that line cooks or, or anyone working the line sort of is, right? The hours that you work, the sort of conditions you work under, the sweat that's coming out of you. When you come off the clock um, and you sort of take off that chef coat, it's like, you know, Superman coming out of his street clothes. Um, 
it's like that you know you can you're around your your team and they sort of see what you're wearing and you're I like, yourself that I, way I, I like that idea that sounds great thanks because because you know food is i mean um uh, clothing in the kitchen's always been so i mean mario if you remember our uniforms in culinary school was so uncomfortable <laughs> it's all cotton i mean it was just horrible you're sweating in that thing like a like a potato sack <laughs> wasn't a lap sack yeah and you, you know you have to move around there's a bit of an athletic ability in the kitchen you just those things were like just horrible totally totally and and actually so that brings up a good point my all my clothing right now is cotton based but uh, the idea is actually sort of to prove the designs and the concepts and what resonates with people that are working the line and my hope is to actually develop a set of performance wear that people can wear versus the regular cotton tee underneath. So sort of like, bringing comfort into the kitchen. Like it's basically armor. like the Olympics and sports in, in the kitchen, right? The, yeah, like all armor for chefs. For yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Good. So yeah, I'm hoping that you know, it'll take off. But obviously, like any small business, it's it's me doing many different roles. As you guys know, you're, you're well aware of how that goes. So yeah, I'm just trying to get it off the ground. So it's www.linethreads.com, correct? That's right. And there's a contact if people have any any ideas or any other ways of, of what the product should be? Totally. Like, we, we definitely accept design uh, submissions. And then, obviously, like, if we accept your design, we'll totally comp you, you know, sweatshirts or uh, hoodies or whatever it is that you're interested in. And, um, yeah. and definitely oh, I'm, I'm get def- your name out there. Oh, I'm definitely designing some stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love <laughs> Eric, that. are you are you doing uh, aprons as well? And do you feel um, – uh, you know, now there's a lot of um, companies that are sort of just yeah. pushing the aprons, you know, Proud, aprons. space. So I, I, I'm interested in that, but that's not where I'm going to focus. I want to focus more like on the comfort of the kitchen and sort of right. self-expression. Uh, a lot of the higher end aprons, I feel like are either front of the house or like you're not going to spill whatever on it. Like, you know, it's not going to the, the laundry service every single day, or every week. It's more um, dry cleaners. Yeah, so I, I and I want to focus on a line that can actually be you know that that cooks can afford. I mean, so a seven to eighty dollar apron is probably not that price point. Um, and, and considering the wages that we were talking about earlier, right? Like, yeah, I, I want I want people to be able to afford it, and not spend the, you know an entire paycheck on it. That's right. That's great. Gotcha. Okay. No, that sounds good. So, what are the things you're struggling with right now? Yeah, well, it's getting our name out there, right? I mean, so to your point, there's a lot of apron stuff going on out there or other other brands are popping up. So, you know, now that that sort of the culinary and, and the world of chefs is is now becoming this like awesome thing that the general public's paying attention to, um, you know, it's it's really hard to sort of get through the noise and and appear different, if, if you will, than, than anybody else and, and find our own voice within this crowded area. Right, it's right. like yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like you have to find a chef or a, a, an establishment that's you know well known to wear your stuff, yeah, and then get the attention rather than you know just having a quality product. Uh, exactly. I yeah. I, th- I think you need to contact the like the random line cooks out there that had the same type of mentality that you just like hey you want to try this t shirt or whatnot you might I mean not for nothing but you might have to like send out some freebies here and there and get like people who, you know, the sous chef at, I don't know, Brooklyn fair. I don't know. I'm just making things up, but like, yeah, yeah. Those who's influential, but not to the point that they it's, it's too lowbrow for them, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm totally down with that. I mean, you know, and to me, I don't look at it as a, as a freebie. I mean, if anything, it's, it's a, it's a proper trade or barter, right? I mean, the clothes that someone wears is an expression of who they are. So if they're willing to put, you know, either my logo or designs on, on, on them, then, you know, that's, that's worth a lot to me. And, and I'd be proud to have them do that. Cool. Okay. Um, what other sorts of things are you thinking for branding? Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of the stuff around social media and also just getting real people wearing uh, these designs and also just their feedback around, uh, you know, what sort of things they would want in the kitchen, uh, you know, obviously that, that follow the, health codes and, and all that sort of stuff too but um I, i'm looking to you know find easy ways for people to self-express while also you know looking professional and, and feeling comfortable in the, in the kitchen how do you um eric how do you com- you know how do you combat 
you know, stains and things. Cause I feel like also, I mean, if you get beet juice on one of these shirts, I mean, it's, you might as well just throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> like, you, like, you never get that out. Yeah. But, because actually most of our line is, it's just white t-shirts because you don't want it to show through your coat. Right. So right. Um, that, that's a tough one. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe there's something to be said about wearing shirts that sort of have battle scars. I don't know. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Hey, Eric, what, real, real quick question. Um, have you looked at bucket, bucketfeet.com? I haven't, but I will. So, all right, Bucket Feet, what they do is they have – all they do is, like, boat shoes, right? Yeah. But they have different artists and designers do different types of – designs and and whatnot on them so like they they feature the artists they fe- so like in your in your case hats right you could have mm-hmm. different chefs designs on there as well and you could sell it you know um ch- check out bucketfeet.com um it, i think is a really interesting way that they're really trying to promote artists um through their shoes i think maybe your platform is going to be that type of thing you know yeah, I, I love the concept and I'd love to, you know, be able to support somebody that has, you know, an awesome story. I right. mean, I think that you, if you, any, we've all met awesome cooks in the kitchen with just yeah. tremendous backgrounds and exactly. you know, to yep. promote that would be awesome. And also promote, yeah, obviously promoting their profile, their background, the yeah. work. Like, I think you, I think you got a pretty good business there. I hope so. (laughs) No, if you go that route, like really tap into what the network has and what line cooks are actually really excited to, to, to beat, to design and also have their stuff worn by, you know, like they will self promote, you know, there's like, there is such a, you know, when, when I was cooking in restaurants, you know, there was these sort of these journeymen and women cooks that, you know, they're just cooking like 15 years. They don't want to be a chef. Um, you know, and but they are just badass cooks that have a hell of a lot of experience and have traveled a lot and speak different languages and have a million stories. And those people are just so interesting and so full of life, um, but don't necessarily have that name, you know. And those are certainly people that you'd want wearing your stuff, definitely, I think. Totally. Yeah, that's definitely who I'm going after. Like, I'm not thinking about the celebrity chef or people that are basically making an earning, you know, an income off of that status. I want, you know, genuine people that are working the long hours. And I'd love to feature some of their stories. That sounds great. Cool. Um, so how do you work? How do you balance all this with like, you said you have one kid, you have another on the way, like, what's the work life balance on this thing? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it's a lot of weekends and a lot of nighttime. Um, so it just means less sleep, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, it's like you, when you've got a passion for something, uh, yeah. you just work through it. Right. And you just find a way and you have to be efficient with your time. Right. And a supportive wife. No, no less. Right. Very supportive wife. Um, can't, the can't say that enough. Yeah. Both of oh, your yeah. wives have to let you get at least into, into this industry. So, <laughs> Yeah. And that's funny, right? Because it for me, like it definitely happened after we got married too, right? So I was like, "Wait, you want to do what? <laughs> Go to culinary school?" <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you definitely don't get any sleep, that's for sure. I mean, Mario, I, I don't think we slept very much when we were in culinary school. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, we worked a lot, but I mean, we had fun too. So it's yeah, I don't. Know, it was a great, it was a great experience. It was like a complete shift in your life in a in a good way, in a very inspiring way. I mean, I think. I think I was, you know, like you're learning a lot as you kind of go through the experience, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so Eric, last question, um, goals. So what sort of goals are you trying to hit this year? It's a new year. Um, what short-term, long-term goals for you? Yeah. Well, I, I think short-term, I would say in the next three to six months, I actually just want to be introduced to a hundred cooks. That's my, um, I like in the reason why I want to do that is like, I want to make sure that I really understand sort of the inner stories mm-hmm. of people that are actually working, you know, the, the yeah. conditions and the hours and all that, that I'm trying to feature and, and promote and, and celebrate. Um, yeah. So that, that's definitely short term and, and long term, you know, I'd, I'd love to just have a, a viable business that, 
I think grows organically. So I actually hope I don't have to spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on advertising. Um, I'd rather spend that money promoting through just genuine people and, you know, getting them to sort of promote me within their network because I resonate, not because people just saw an ad somewhere. Um, cool. That's right. Well, Anthony and I know a lot of cooks. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we definitely. Be- we can definitely send you some. We definitely send you some recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we'll break here. Uh, next segment, we're gonna get a little bit more personal, but also give you guys heads up on an upcoming um, podcast we're trying to present. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Bootleg Avocado. Uh, we're about to wrap up, but before that, we want to get to know our um, our guest a little bit more, and also Anthony as well. So this is part of the segment in which I want to introduce an empathy question. So what what is an empathy question? Um, it's kind of like an icebreaker meets, I don't know, real talk, if you will. So I'm going to ask you guys make, a question. You're making you make me nervous now. no. <laughs> Questions. Are you going to ask me if I've, I've ever killed anybody or something like that? No, no, not, not at all. So I went to this, um, this like workshop a couple last week, actually. Um, one of my um, uh, friends that I went to college with, um, Michael Ventura, he actually, he started his own company. He does consulting for more of a, uh, I'm going to get this completely wrong, so I'm sorry, Michael. Um, he does, he runs a company called Sub Rosa. Uh, and what they do is really try and think through, um, oh, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do a great job. He, he really makes, uh, tries to build culture within, uh, an organization or a corporation, um, in a very, um, organic way through empathy. So empathy is basically the way you kind of, you know, let your guard down and really kind of, you know, express yourself or you know, tell yourself how you feel about certain things and have the other person kind of have that connection with you. It's, it's, it's about forming that connection. It's about improving communication and everything else. So both of you, one question, and it's the same question. So I'll have, since Eric is our guest, you'll go first. Thanks. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Great. And the question <laughs> is, what makes an experience meaningful to you? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, there, there's so much that makes it, I, I think, meaningful. But now, but now you get what I'm, I'm trying to get to, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think for, for me, it's it, a meaningful experience is usually shared. Um, shared not only with the fact that someone was there with me, um, but it's one that we, we both can learn from and grow from. So I, I think that, you know, it comes in many different forms. You can talk about travel. You can talk about learning, you know, going to a class or experiencing something new together. Um, but I think the ones that are most enduring for me are the ones where I share that that experience with somebody. Cool. All right, Anthony. Um, I think, you know, kind of piggybacking a little bit on Eric, it's, it, it's you know, sharing, I think, sharing the experience with someone that you value I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone that you know well, but somebody you value opinion, someone you look up to. Um, and then really a new experience, I think, is is extremely meaningful. Something that you enjoy, um, you know, pushing yourself. Um, you know, I, I made a New Year's resolution to do things that I don't normally do. Um, and um, I went ice skating the other day. And um, all that. And I went with my son and it was enjoyable because, you know, Mm -hmm. love my kids. And secondly, it was, it was a totally new experience and I was out of the box. And for me, you know, I fell down a couple of times. Yeah. I brought a couple of uh, grandmothers down with me. (laughs) (laughs) A few of them. Yeah. I had to bring a couple of people down with me, but they they don't (laughs) care. It doesn't matter. Um, And that made the experience, you know, that. Cool. Well said. Um, all right. So, uh, Eric, I want to thank you for being on our first uh, episode, The Maiden Voyage of Bootleg Avocado. Thanks for um, having me. 
Yeah, so upcoming episodes, um, we got a lot of things on tap. Um, obviously, Anthony and I will be mediating a lot of this stuff. Um, anywhere from the craft sake movement. Um, oh. You know, I, I recently visited at Brooklyn Kura here in Brooklyn. Are we going to drink um, sake while we're talking about sake? Yes, actually. I've actually had some while we were talking just now, but I'll have to get <laughs> the bottle from uh, from Brian. So, right. um, And also, um, there's an also there's a bunch of sake breweries across the U.S. now. Um, the other one that I um, am involved with is um, Proper Sake in Nashville. Um, they're doing more, I would say, uh, food um, food friendly, American food friendly or Western food friendly sakes. Um, so some sakes are, um, you know, kind of fermented in Saison yeast. One's more beery one. Another one's basically more in uh, agent oak barrels. So it's more like a whiskey type. So uh, very interesting um, palate profile that, that they're trying to do as well. So um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about food tech. Um, also talking about a new African super grain called Fonio. If you guys are familiar with that? No. F-O-N-I-O. Uh, you guys should look it up. Um, I'm going to talk to a couple other, obviously, entrepreneurs or babypreneurs um, as far as what their um, food businesses are. These are really, I think, earlier Eric's at right now, um, just to kind of, you know, Ask ask some questions and see if they can you know really come up with what the what whatever the concept is and it's, if it's viable at our end. Um, so help them through that. We're talking about branding, marketing, uh, food accelerators, incubators out there. Um, a lot of things that are happening in India as far as the you know India is relatively a young country, um, very tech driven, but there's a lot of impact on food right now. And finally, um, I hope hopefully get uh, Michael Ventura, my friend who actually runs Subrosa, to talk a little bit about more about empathy and kind of see how we can apply that to the food world more than anything else. Oh, wow. So we're going so yeah. to be nicer. So we're definitely going to be nicer to each other in this. In empathetic. <laughs> no, we're going to understand each other and communicate better. But I think we did a great job today. So, um, so Eric, your turn to plug. Go yeah, ahead. I'd love everyone to visit uh, linethreads.com. Would love, you know, um, just feedback and would love to represent uh, the hardworking cooks in the kitchen. And I really appreciate, you know, being on today. So it was a really great experience and had a great time. It was great having you and best of luck on your on your venture. Thank you. Yeah, we're happy to help you and connect you with people. So um, hit us up. Really appreciate sure. it. Thanks. Cool. Anthony, your turn. Well, um, I just want everyone to visit uh, www.chefanthonynichols.com or www.speakfeast um, to see a little about my food perspective and what I'm offering in terms of um, uh, my services. Cool. All right. And then, obviously, uh, this is brought to you by Bootleg Avocado. Please go to bootlegavocado.com. This podcast will be on there, uh, I would say, by tomorrow um, with links to Eric's uh, website as well. Nice. Um, and we'll be back hopefully uh, sometime this week and promote another podcast. Thank you, everyone, for, uh, for listening. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Great.